It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network, Friday edition. Sam and Sage with you on the program. I'm here in Minneapolis. Sage, another trip out to the slopes in Colorado. You must be really loving the ski climate out there right now. It's your second trip in a month. Second trip in a month, and uh, this one I've got the kids with me, which is... uh... Which will be a lot more fun. I get to be sort of the uh, the ski instructor. We'll see how that goes tomorrow. But today we're in Denver. Uh, we're gonna head down to Boulder here for breakfast pretty soon. It's 75 degrees is the high today in Denver. So uh, it's very very different than what's gonna be in the mountains uh, you know, tomorrow when we're skiing. But we're gonna hit uh, a Boulder to my favorite breakfast place, Lucille's, which is like a New Orleans uh, sort of Cajun style breakfast. It's dynamite if you're ever in Boulder. And then from there, we're going to hit Red Rocks Amphitheater on our way out to the mountains. So uh, anyone who has ever been to Red Rocks, whether it's a concert, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, or even during the day, it's, it's like a state park would open uh, all the time. You can just, you know, people work out on, on the stairs, and uh, there's, a, there's sort of a Hall of Fame museum uh, underground. So I'm going to take the kids to that today and then head, uh, head out towards the mountains and, and skiing tomorrow. I'd say being in Boulder is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's a very unique, very distinctive city, kind of like Portland a little bit. It's kind of got that hippie feel to it with a lot of character and a lot of characters with a lot of of interesting people walking around. My wife and I did breakfast there in around April. Can't remember the name of the place we went to, but it was absolutely delicious and very beautiful, beautiful country out there, right at the base of the mountains. And, and they've got those zoning restrictions, too. So there's really no sprawl in Boulder. They, uh, you just got the open plains and then this little city and then the mountains. It's really cool. Yeah, that's right. Boulder County, uh, town of Boulder, um, is sort of like island. And they, for about four miles around the town, is what they call Boulder Open Space, where nobody can build uh, developments or anything like that. There are, there are farms out there. There are ha- nice houses that were on what were farms, uh, but you can't really uh, just start building houses and, and develop and things like that. So it sort of makes the town very unique. Uh, it makes it sort of an island, which means that the real estate has gotten really expensive in Boulder. Um, it, it's more expensive than anywhere in Minnesota or Minneapolis. I mean, uh, you know, just a uh, a simple little three-bedroom, two-bath, you know, home's going to probably cost you five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. It's it's very, very expensive in that town. So food is great. The mountains are right there. Uh, it's a great place to visit, and if you can afford to live there, it's a great place to live too. So uh, we're just going to be stopping there for breakfast today. Uh, <laughs> I did live there for one year uh, at the end of my NFL career, uh, and uh, it'd be great to get back to that town sometime. So very, very fun town to live in. 
as far as teaching skiing goes, do you put your kids on, on the big slopes right away and just say, hey, just tear it up? Or do you put them on the bunny hill and do you, do you walk them through it and have them do the, the kind of inverted ski position and ease their way into it? I pretty much, uh, I, I get the helicopter, we drop them off in the middle of nowhere, and I say, I'll be at the bottom of the hill, see you in a couple hours. That's <laughs> nice. pretty much how I teach them to see. Just straight survival. That's what, that's the best way to go. They'll have no choice but to learn. Uh, no, actually, I yeah, I do the uh, the pizza, french fries, pizza, french fries, if you don't know what that is uh, for, for skiers. Um, pizza is like the snow plow where you're, uh, you sort of make an upside-down V with your skis, and you sort of plow your way down the hill to slow you down. And then, obviously, the, the French fries are when your skis are in a two straight lines and you're going, you know, full throttle down. So then there's hockey stop. You have to teach them how to hockey stop, which obviously for Minnesotans, I don't have to describe all that much. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a process there, and uh, I'll try to have fun with it. I've got my daughter uh, who is uh, who is six, almost seven, and I've got my niece and nephew who are about seven and five. So it should be a Fun little morning for me tomorrow morning teaching those guys how to ski. That'll be extremely, extremely fun. Have a great time doing that. Uh, big football news. Blair Walsh, our good buddy Blair, signed with, guess who, the Seattle Seahawks, the team that he essentially gifted a playoff victory two seasons ago. Walsh to Seattle. He has a new home. Your thoughts? Well, I'm happy he does. I'm happy, I'm happy he's getting another opportunity. And, you know, a kicker like him, he's got so much natural talent and natural ability. His, his just inconsistency, and obviously he was in that huge rut. You know, sometimes that's the best thing for a kicker is just a new environment. I mean, it happens with baseball pitchers, with baseball hitters. They go through these long slumps or something bad happens and they just can't mentally get over uh, that negative experience. I think that, that's what's happened with Blair in Minnesota's. Obviously, that playoff kick really affected him, and he couldn't get over it uh, in the off season and, and during the season, and uh, and he just continued to struggle. So, you know, hopefully, new environments, new team, uh, new atmosphere, uh, you know, new pressure, different different pressure, less pressure from the fans, and uh, and hopefully that uh, you know he wins the job there and you know has a long NFL career. Very likable guy, always well liked in the locker room and on the team. And, uh, and has a lot of talent. So so I'm rooting for Blair Walsh as, as much as anybody else. Based on age and potential, he, he's got to be the most high upside kicker on the market. So Seattle might have a steal there. The one thing that's going to work against Blair is that if he's trying to go to a place to escape the talk of the missed kick narrative, which I think really wore on him here in Minnesota, Seattle wasn't the place to go because that's going to be the first thing they ask him. And probably going forward is, you know, how, how has that missed kick influenced your career? How did it affect you last year? Because they saw it firsthand. You're, you're right there. And, and uh, that, that'll be the ongoing question. And for Seahawks fans, they'll obviously remember that kick very, very well. Remember Blair Walsh well. So, yeah, you're, you're right. He's not really escaping uh, his, the, the past or that, that small part of that dark history uh, that he has had to live through. So, but maybe it's uh, you know Pete Carroll has a super positive message, uh, and just the atmosphere of that football team, and, and maybe that'll just sort of change his mindset, and and he'll overcome it. 
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. Player evals today. We got a couple more. We got TJ Clemmings and Mackenzie Alexander. We've really cruised through this offensive line, and Clemmings has been basically a starter each of the last two years. His first two years in the league, he's now 25 years old, has two years left on his rookie contract. The way I put it yesterday on the show, Sage, is I feel like the Vikings are going to bring in a whole bunch of options and just have people compete for that right tackle spot and maybe the left tackle spot. We're not sure who they're going to sign in free agency, but Clemmings will certainly have a chance. But if he doesn't improve based on what we saw the first two years, if he continues to lunge, if he's off balance, which have been issues of his, I don't think Clemmings is a guy they can entrust at tackle anymore. And I'm not really sure he's a guy that you want as as your second in command. There would have to be a significant step up for Clemmings this season if he wants to uh, remain a member of the Vikings. Yeah, I think we could go through pretty much every member of the offensive line, whether they were starters, uh, whether they were backups, whether they were swing guys, uh, whether they were hurt for part of the year or, or, or healthy the entire year, uh, and basically say every one of these guys was part of the problem. And, uh, and nobody played extremely well, not, not Alex Boone, not anybody, uh, to where you feel really, really comfortable about uh, you know going into next year so. Uh, he's, he was part of the problem, too. Uh, he's a young guy with, with a lot of talent, a lot of upside. Uh, he's inexpensive. Uh, so, so my guess is that uh, he will be competing for a spot on the team next year, maybe competing for a starting position next year. But he definitely has to improve, as does everybody else along that offensive line. Here's the thought that I think applies to any position. If you are young, and let's say you're thrown into the heat of battle before you are ready, do you think that can negatively influence your future performance if you just never have a chance to develop the proper habits? If you're thrown in there when you're not prepared, do you think that can send a player down the wrong path? I think it can, but usually not. I think quarterbacks, uh, for one. I think quarterbacks, you start to, you get sacked too much early. Uh, you make mistakes early. And those, those sort of what I call scars, mental scars, really. Uh, start to build up, uh, and and when you're too young, and the game's just complicated too fast to understand what's going on. I I do think at at positions like offensive line, it's okay to play young and be too raw and, and make a lot of mistakes. I don't think it necessarily negatively affects your future. I think it actually helps. I think you look back, you know, through all the tape uh, throughout the season, and, and you know during the off season, and you you figure out what do I need to do better, what do I need to improve. Uh, and you're not, you don't have those same scars because they're not seen, you know, like a quarterback's mistakes are seen by everybody, and offensive linemen generally aren't. So I think it's okay to play young even if you're not quite ready yet. So the reverse side of that would be Mackenzie Alexander, the second-round pick from last season, who really got most of this past year to hone his game with, with Mike Zimmer teaching him. Mike Zimmer is the secondary whisperer, and Mackenzie Alexander is getting the best tutelage laying a very good foundation, I think, for his future career. In the few times he did play, he wasn't that great, but he also never really got a chance to play extended time with the Vikings this past season. 
he may be asked to do a lot this season. And we discussed this on Wednesday with the Vikings. I have a couple cornerbacks as free agents. Alexander's young and up and coming. He showed a lot of potential in college. Seems to be extremely competitive. He's aggressive. Mike Zimmer just needs to rein him in a little bit. It's a guy that we could be hearing from a lot in the coming couple of years. Yeah, I think it's neat when you have a coach who's one of the best in the NFL at what he does and knows. And, and Mike Zimmer, he is one of the best secondary coaches in the league. I think you ask any you know offense or defensive mind around the league, and they talk about great secondary coaches, and Mike Zimmer will be near the top of that list. I mean, he's up there with Belichick as far as you know th- that position, safety, cornerback, you know, nickel cornerback, you know, those spots. That whether it's technique, whether it's scheme. Uh, the X's and O's, the teaching of the positions, uh, he's fantastic. And and so I, I think with that that's a sort of a, you know, if you're if you're getting drafted by the Vikings, you're an undrafted free agent, or you're a free agent, and you're looking to go somewhere uh, to really maximize your strengths uh, as, a, as a DB, as a safety. Uh, the Vikings are a great place to be. And and you know I was lucky enough to be around certain coaches like you know like Kyle Shanahan or Gary Kubiak which I thought were some of the better quarterbacks guys in the league and it really helped my game to play for those guys well uh guy like Alexander is, is being lucky right now that to play for to put to play for Zimmer and in his defense and and wh- whether he ends up being a Viking his whole career in other places I promise you uh he will learn a lot uh, from Mike Zimmer uh, and this defensive coaching staff and it'll help him in, in the uh in the long term he, like Clemmings, very inexpensive. He's got three years left on his rookie contract. And for, for a second-round pick, I think very good value, number 54 overall. And he's not making much money, even though he was one of the one of the top three to five cornerbacks in that draft. So Mackenzie Alexander, our defensive eval of the day. And it's time for our capstone segment of the week. It's Frugal Fridays with Sage Rosenfels, where we talk about the money side of the NFL. Today, I want to talk about agents. Agents are a very important part of life in the NFL. And Sage, you had an agent in the NFL, but I think you still do, right? Yeah, I, I have my, in a sense, I guess, sort of my same agent uh, in the NFL. And then, you know, somebody that works in the agency is does a lot of the broadcast and, and media, you know, type people. And so I, I work with somebody else, not my actual agent, but in the same agency. But uh, yeah, you know, agents play an important role. Um, the max a football agent can receive of a player's contract is 3%. Uh, I think in baseball it is 5%. Uh, and I, yeah, I realize the difference is, well, obviously baseball, they make a lot more money, but you may have to, you may get a first round pick or a second round picker, uh, and you may have to, you know, watch them in the minor leagues for three, four, five, six years um, as an agent and make really almost no money off the player. So in the NFL, they get 3%, but you are probably going to get paid pretty much right away as an agent because, the, the, you know, players play right away. So with your agents, a lot of times they have a, marketing person who works either in the ag- in the agency or uh, the, the, the your agent has a uh, relationship with a marketing group or marketing person and they usually get about 20% of an appearance uh, or something like that that they go out and get you a, you, know, you do a commercial they usually get about 20% so you know I think a football agent is important uh, because they are sort of the middle person between uh, the team uh, the general manager the, the salary cap negotiator uh, and you, and you know, they're specialists in the law. Most of them are lawyers in some way or another, um, and they understand, you know, what that contract means, all, all the language, all the verbiage, 
Um, and they also have these relationships and they can be, you know, with these teams and they can be the bad guy. You don't want to, um, you know, ruffle too many feathers and, and, uh, and say certain things that might uh, really negatively affect you, but your agent can say what pretty much whatever they want um, because they, they, um, they have their own voice and everything. So uh, they become sort of the specialist and I think they're usually worth their, their you know, that's max 3%, uh, but some players will actually negotiate agents down to, you know, two or even 1%. When I think about agents, I think it I think about it in terms of realtors. You know, you've got some realtors that sort of stand alone, almost independent contractors, kind of like Bus Cook. I think Brett Favre had basically a family friend become his agent. And then you've got the massive agencies with a lot of agents under their umbrella. Is there a tough choice kind of between the two sides of it or, or do most guys go with the agency? Uh, I think, well, there's a mix. And, you know, I, when I was playing for the Miami Dolphins, I was friends with an agent named Brett Tesler, um, who was basically a, he's a one man crew. I mean, he pretty much does it himself. Um, and he goes out and he gets his, I don't know how many he gets every year. Maybe he has eight or 10 clients in the NFL. And then you've got guys who, uh, you know, and, and women who work in big agencies and, you know, my agent in Chicago, Priority Sports, I believe they have 80 to 100 football players and, and I think 40 or so NBA players. Um, so they have agents for football. They have an agent for basketball. And uh, so obviously they've got a whole team there um, of, of secretaries, of marketing people, um, you know, all sorts of things going on. So, yeah, it just depends what the player's looking for. Some players want those really big agencies and some players want something that's a little bit more uh, personal. And uh, so they can call pretty much any time of the day, and, and they'll answer their phone call. Breaking news on Lockdown Vikings. I thought of the Boulder breakfast spot that I went to back in April. It was called <laughs> it was called Snooze. Snooze. Oh yeah. Have you been to Snooze? Absolutely solid spot. So there's a lot of good foodie spots, breakfast places. I'm going. My place is called Lucille's. It's actually in a. It's in the house. There's also one in Denver, I believe. Um, they've got their own farm uh, out uh, in the country somewhere where they farm a lot of their potatoes and things like that for the breakfast. Uh, Lucille Walnut Cafe is another one. So Boulder is a foodie town through and through, and there's not a not a, not too many bad restaurants in that town. And Snooze is definitely a very good breakfast place. Well, I don't know how I got from agents to that, but it, it worked somehow. And that's our show for this Friday. Sage Rosenfels, Sam Ekstrom. Have a good time skiing. Hope the kids stay safe. Don't break an arm or anything. I'm sure you'll teach them well. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday on Locked On. Sounds good. Talk to you Monday. At St. Josenfels 18, at Sam Ekstrom. Advertise on the show. LockedOnVikings at gmail.com. We'll get you some great value. And we'll talk to you next week on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? 
Just search for Lockdown Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Lockdown Wild to your device every day.